Well, hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Worship God podcast, a presentation of TGC Canada. Uh, my name is Jody Cross. Glad to be with you today, along with Rob Brockman from Aurelia and Pat Sabell from Midtown Vancouver. Guys, good to see you today. Good to see you, Jody. Good to see you, Jody. It's always good to have brothers here. And we are here with you today, folks, because we want to encourage those of you who are uh, leading worship in the church and are passionate about Christ-centered, Christ-exalting worship. You might be a worshiper, you might be a leader, and today's episode is for you. Uh, today's part two of what we began last time, and last time we were looking at the importance of hymns, the place of hymns, our hymns becoming extinct. If that's interesting to you and, and you didn't get the chance to see it, then you can go back and look at it in the archives. Today's part two, we're going to be looking at modern hymns. What are modern hymns? We're going to talk about them, their place, their importance, and discuss some of the modern hymns that, that we love and how important that they are for the life of uh, worship in the local church. Colossians 3.16 is really a great verse. It says this, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and in spiritual songs. And uh, last time, as I said, we talked about how important they are. In fact, guys, I was actually in a prayer call with a guy this morning, and in the middle of my prayer, I started praying this verse from an old hymn, and I didn't actually know which it was, what hymn it was until I actually Googled the lyrics because I couldn't remember the title of it. But these lyrics, these rich lyrics, and it was the hymn, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, were rattling around in my heart as I was praying uh, with this guy this morning. And uh, I just love the fact that these songs, they, they're so deep in our hearts, whether they're modern hymns or older hymns or new worship songs. But that's what we're talking about, that deep truth is residing in our heart. So uh, they're, they're important in us growing and us keeping going in our, in our journey of faith. So I want to ask you guys, um, how do hymns, timeless or modern, uh, differ from what the majority of people are singing in their worship services uh, these days? Um, I'll go. Um, I see when Pat looks at me that way, I know it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's preference. Yeah. <laughs> You brother, no, you brother. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah we're too, we're too Canadian, you know. Um, <laughs> I do think that there is a, the difference. What I would say is, there's a simplicity and devotional nature. I think to much of kind of modern worship, contemporary worship, um, which I think is great. Outside of like paying attention to if a song is really theologically good or if it's congregationally accessible, which is are kind of key things for me. I don't see problems singing kind of simple songs. Like you, you've read Colossians and it talks about spiritual songs. There's a place for them in the church. Um, much of modern worship has some great, a lot of, of modern worship, I would say, has some great simple and singable choruses, songs um, that probably don't have a lot of longevity, um, but they match Paul's criteria for spiritual songs. And so, so we should sing them. And so I think the difference is, kind of they're a bit more simpler they're a bit more devotional in nature um you know right now for example like a song that i love right now is a song called how great your love is by red rocks worship it's a great song about the power of jesus to save us um will we be singing it in 15 years probably not um does it have that kind of longevity i mean i'm not a prophet so i don't know but i, I would say no, probably not um but nonetheless, it's got incredible value. There's a place for that. Um, so I do think that the majority of churches are typically singing these modern songs. There's a place for that. Nothing wrong with that. 
Um, but hymns uh, play a, a kind of a different role um, than these kind of singable songs. And um, yeah, like there's a place for it, but you can't replace it. Over to you in uh, Midtown Vancouver, Brother Pat. Thoughts? Hey. Thoughts hey. On, uh, how? I just, I just had my earbuds literally like disappear and I couldn't hear you guys. <laughs> so I was having a panic moment. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> An old age panic moment. <laughs> Modern new, technology. Yeah, new technology, older guy. I'm with you, brother. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm telling you. you I, I, on that one? Yeah, I think, I think content mostly. Um, obviously, him say more um and, and i was thinking a bit this morning about this um you know uh in a world of of snippets you know short quotes short articles people are scanning facebook and instagram and they they want to get what they want to get in uh really short just you know in the moment um i i think that the church needs to teach uh, the the value of of uh, saying things well. I, I I stumbled on this quote this morning from John Piper. Um, let me just see if I can find it for you real quick. Uh, here's what he said. He said one of the greatest diseases of our day is triviality. We who are created in the image of God were meant to live for magnificent causes. Um, and I, I think often, if we're not careful, uh, and, and I would agree with Rob that there's a place for a simple song. I think the more that we can uh, we can do simplicity yet profound mm. uh, is is vitally important. Mm. Um, and so I think I think uh, songs, uh, hymns, whether you know the the older hymns or the modern hymns, it's about content. It's about some saying things that are profound, um, and and I think it's 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 objective. It's often outside of us. It's saying things about God um, o o over experience. A lot of the modern courses are are there's a there's a greater focus on experience. Um, so I think uh, the objective truths of who God is and what God has done. Um, and, and 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 that content that that we're willing to sit there and let it sink and soak in us versus mm -hmm. this you know uh, we do it we get it over with we move on um, so that's that's a couple thoughts I had mm -hmm. about the difference between hymns and maybe modern courses. Mm -hmm. And as the as the definition in Colossians three says, it appears to be that there are different categories, and each of those categories have have relevance and they have value. And I like to think about planning a worship set as a worship leader as having some of those elements or each of those elements on the plate, serving it up. And I, as a worshiper, I love when there's something older and objective, when there's something like a new modern hymn and something like a new new worship chorus, because they do function differently. They, they engage me in a different way. They call me to think, they call me to feel, they call me to express, they call me to action. And I think that even the skillful use of those in an order of worship helps the worshiper to to love God, perhaps with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. It, it appeals to a different part of us in our in our nature and our responsiveness to God. So, 
my my sense is that wisdom says let's use what God gives the church exactly what you guys have said simple profound deep rich theological Christ exalting and uh, it's a palette let's use the full color spectrum of the palette that God gives us to feed feed our hearts and feed the congregation mm. well turning the corner from you know we talk about these ancient hymns and uh, my wife was downstairs earlier playing holy 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 to her mom on zoom her mom's in a nursing home and she hasn't been able to visit her so I was upstairs listening to holy 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 and just basking in that opening mm. that opening musical and lyrical line and I just thought how beautiful it is and we talked last time about our favorite hymns now we're going to transition to uh, modern hymns. So that's a that's a new category. It's really, I think, a new genre, maybe 20 years or so. So are hymns by definition ancient, or how do we look at these modern hymns? Rob, what do you think about that? Well, every hymn was a modern hymn at one point. Uh, every hymn was written in for its generation, and it wasn't old at that point. Um, so you know, that's the odd thing is like hymns, hymns generally, um, as we said in our last episode are a more formal and more kind of intentional style of music that focus on communicating the lyrics. Um, hymns are, as we talked about primarily about kind of communicating doctrine, not that spiritual songs aren't concerned with doctrine. Uh, but there's a bit of a different focus. We're telling a story. Like Pat said, we're able to fit a bit more in these hymns. So we're able to kind of dive deeper kind of into a into a topic or into a bit of theology. Um, typically speaking, um, traditional hymns have more in style with poems than they do with mainstream music. Um, the music and the rhythm is actually intended to highlight the lyrics because the lyrics are meant to take front and center. The doctrine, the teaching is really the, the words are meant to take front and center. So that's why in a lot of hymns, like you'll actually hear like the melody is often played out because it's really trying to accent what is being sung, what is being said. And um, what we're singing takes front and center. Now, it's not that hymns aren't concerned about beautiful music even um, many are but typically hymns are more functional in the sense that they strive to teach more than to convey beautiful beautiful music um, but obviously beautiful beautiful melodies really they always just stick out more and, and mm -hmm. so the same goes for good lyrics um, so the best hymns are both kind of beautifully melodic and but they're also beautifully lyrical they're they're poetic and they say things well like pat said saying awesome things about God in awesome ways. That's what we're trying to do. It's, it's, it is also very hard to abstract preference from this. I might think a hymn is beautiful and artistic and you guys might go, I don't know. I don't really like that one. I don't think it's that beautiful. So there's that role in it as well. But so all that to say, a hymn is more a style of song than of course, if that's true, then of course there can be modern hymns. And so, a hymn is just essentially a style of song that we would write. Many of us assume that a hymn, by definition, means ancient, but then there would never exist any hymns because how do you have an ancient hymn if it was never written for a season, right? So a hymn, I would argue a hymn is a style of song more than the age of a song, a song that's geared around highlighting the doctrine, highlighting lyrics, helping people memorize the stuff, catechizing us, uh, through song. Hmm. 
Yeah, good, good answer. And it's what a blessing it is that out of the hymn book of 736 or 812 songs that were in most of the hymn books in, the, say, the last few decades, that those songs survived. And out of that catalog of material, I love sometimes to, to come up with a list of the top 25 or 50 hymns that we need to be teaching our congregation. Uh, the church that, that, Rob, you're serving at now, I had a discussion with uh, one of the, the board members, and he said, let's let's really um, identify the top 25 or 50 hymns that we need to be teaching our grandkids. And and that really comes back to what we were talking about last time. But what a beautiful thing that these songs seem to be, they're, they're not going away. Mm-hmm. And maybe the modern hymns that we're singing now in 2021 will have the lasting and staying power to become maybe what we call classics that mm-hmm. you know, they'll, have the, they'll have the longevity that in 20 years they'll, or 30 or 40 years, they'll still be being sung or maybe in a hundred years. So um, Pat, how do you, how do you think modern hymns differ from ancient hymns? Do you see a distinction there at all? Um, I think ancient hymns are ancient and modern <laughs> hymns are modern. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? That is um, profound. <laughs> I, I think interesting uh, that a lot of the ancient hymns were written by pastors mm. and theologians, um, people that had a deep, deep rooted uh, uh, um, discipline of studying God. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it seems nowadays anybody can be a songwriter. Um, I know I did an album in 1997 and I was, I, I grew up, uh, in, in a Pentecostal church and then I kind of swung more to the extreme. Um, I definitely was, it didn't hang from the chandeliers, but almost, and uh, theology was almost a bad word uh, mm. in, in my early years. Um, and I remember uh, for the first time hearing the doctrines of grace, uh, hearing the order of salvation. Um, it, was, it was Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology was, was the book that I kind of lived in for a few years, and it was just blowing my mind. Um, but but I, I wrote songs, and then uh, I, I, I became... Uh, I, I planted uh, the first Sovereign Grace Church in Canada. And at that time, um, I there was a deconstructing of everything that I thought I believed that that was so subjective, so taking verses out of context. Uh, and I realized for the first time that that um, theology mattered. And and then I realized that the songs I was writing was like, oh, my goodness, I, I could sing that song again. Um, and I think there's a lot of songs being out there being written and people have a heart for Jesus. They love Jesus. They're writing these songs. But I, but I think it's very important that we have a framework. And, and that's what these ancient hymns, these, these, these guys, these ladies that wrote these hymns were, were deeply entrenched in, in, in their love for God and their study of God. And from that came the, the depth uh, that's why I mentioned a couple of weeks ago of the, the Valley of Vision, the Puritan prayers. They prayed in a way that we don't pray. Um, and I want to learn from that. And I want to I study and I want to love God deeply so that, uh, so that I, I can write songs. I can sing. So I think that's the difference. I think modern hymns uh, as well. We, we see a lot of the modern hymns that are coming out are, are being written by 
by pastors or uh, you know people that are uh, deeply uh, in love with Jesus, deeply love the study of God. So I think that's that's probably uh, where I would see. Uh, you know, I don't know if I, I even dealt with. Is there mm-hmm. are they different? <laughs> uh, I, I think they're at at, a, at its core. It's important that it's it's not just about musical gifting. It was never about musical gifting. I don't think for Isaac Watts or John mm-hmm. Wesley. I think it came from a place of we want to teach our congregation to know God for who He is rightly, mm-hmm. um, and 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 I'm encouraged by what I see in the modern hymns that I think there that that's there's this similarity there. I would I would commend Thomas Watson's meditation because in that he he practices a lot of I think what gives birth to hymns, which is this kind of Puritan habit of just dwelling deeply on the text and thinking thoughtfully and meditating on the truths of scripture and and just kind of walking with them and 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 pondering them and and um, I'm I'm taking some interns through Second Corinthians, and uh, we're just we just going through the first chapter and just pondering this idea of God is the God of comfort and all mercies, and just we want to read over that. But no, stop, stop there, and just ponder and dwell on that. And I think there's a lot of rich theology and singing and, and hymns that can stem from when we just take an idea and we sit and we ponder and we think and we look at the scriptures and see what they teach. And it certainly seemed like that was just kind of very common. It was much more common. And so maybe there's a difference there is, is there's a a rich thoughtfulness. I don't know. Maybe this is a guess, but it, maybe there's a bit more, there was a bit more of a rich thoughtfulness that was part of culture. Um, from these pastors and theologians where these songs have these guys just borrow, took a melody that was common and they would just borrow the melody and then steal that melody to write this great theology over. So they were much more concerned with meditating on the word of God and communicating these deep thoughts and these encouraging truths, um, not theology for theology's sake, but theology for teaching and comfort's sake um, and the glor- glorification of Jesus I think that maybe there's a difference there in the way that uh, we a lot of what we see today. Well, I'll tell you, there was no record companies. There was no contracts. There was no demand on getting the next album out in the next 12 right. and a half months. Different world. And I, as I read hymn stories, you often find that a text was written without a melody, as you said, and stayed as a poem, as a prayer, before a melody was put to it, a chance meeting of a fellow believer who played something on the piano and you know, voila, there was a marriage between lyric and, and melody. That happened a lot. And the fact that, you know, Isaac Watts, you meant, uh, mentioned Isaac Watts, Pat, just the idea that he was writing lyrics for children, uh, many of them. He was involved in, in teaching, catechizing kids. And if you study Isaac Watts's hymns, the, the melodies are very simple. Uh, the notes are not syncopated. They're quarter notes. The lyrics are often one-syllable words. You just look at how profoundly simple but yet how in, enduring the songs of Isaac Watts have been. And uh, so it, it is a great gift, songs new and old. As I think about modern hymns, I think of, of the hymn that probably took the, the worship world by storm, slowly and then like a tidal wave. And I remember a few years ago thinking, 
that the modern worship movement was kind of grinding to a halt. It felt stale. It felt empty. It felt weak. It felt uh, just that it was really could not continue. It was tired and running out of gas. And I love those pioneers who actually started to influence quietly, not on a crusade, not on a revolution, but just started to, to write their songs, influenced by the song that we're going to talk about for a minute now, which has its 20th anniversary in 2021. The song that most churches would, would identify as one of the, the first modern hymns, and that's the song In Christ Alone. It was written in, uh, I think, January, January 2001. It was a, a lyric by Stuart Townend, a melody by Keith Getty, which started a wonderful partnership uh, Stuart Townend, I think, has contributed to over 300 lyrics or song lyrics and songs, and he's very prolific. And these guys have had a partnership that has lasted a long, long time. And if you look at songwriting credits between Getty and Townend, they've written a lot of stuff together. So, Rob, you know, Pat, you both have experiences with this song and know what it did. It was brand new. It was fresh. It was this crossover song between what we were singing and between the hymn book. What do you think, Rob, was significant about this song that was so important for the church? Yeah, um, and I think you've highlighted some of it, the kind of the, the fact that it was a hymn in a season of kind of an oversaturation of kind of choruses. I think that was part of it. Uh, I would say I would add two things that Pat can add. I think, I think number one, it was just so well written. Um, it, this is a song about the gospel. If you read through the verses, it's a song about how Christ, in his love, we have hope. In his death, we find life. In Christ's resurrection, we find that we're purchased by God, we're bought for God. And how in Christ's power, we're held secure. Uh, I think the lyrics were just, like, again, good writing and just unpacking these ideas and and poetic. Um, Secondly, I think, also that the melody was very catchy and very simple. Uh, if you think about like a AB structure kind of thing for the song, it's kind of A melody, it goes followed by another A melody. Then you have this cool B melody where we go elsewhere and then we come back to the familiar A. I think that's a, just a great pattern. And um, that I think that's a key feature. Um, melody repetition is important in church music. Um, it's a key for worship music. I, I do find that today, a lot of songwriters have a habit of writing melodies that are, I think I believe are too complicated, too complex for congregational singing. And we, we seem to forget that we're writing for Joe Blow and Granny, and we need people to participate easily. And this hymn kind of came in with a simple, soaring melody that went places with powerful lyrics. And I think we needed that gospel lyrics. We, we needed that kind of at that time. I would say we need that every yes. day of our life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's the beauty of it. Um, that's the beauty of a lot of the ancient hymns we sing, but, but in Christ alone in particular, it's, it's this constant reminder of, can you see Jesus and what Jesus has done for you. Um, you know, you get to that fourth verse, no guilt in life, no fear in death. That that's that's because of Jesus. <laughs> and uh we need to be reminded of who he is and what he's done, and that's the glory of the gospel. Um, and I think when 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 Christ alone was breaking in, 
that's what people gravitated to, I think, so much was there was just such clarity of this objective reality that's outside of me. And yet it's and it's it's waging war against my subjectiveness that, you know, is one minute is up and the next minute is down. Mm. And one minute I believe the gospel and the other minute I don't. And yet this song reminds me that in spite of my subjectiveness or however I feel on any given day, this glorious truth remains. This is what who Christ is and this is what Christ has done. And that's the that's the beauty of in Christ alone, I think. Mm -hmm. And that started a wave. We're going to talk about a number of different sources and artists that since that time or even maybe even prior to that time were writing these songs. I did a little research. Charles Wesley, major hymn writer of the mid-18th mid century, they say he wrote between 6,500 and 10,000 hymns. So I did the math on the conservative side. 6,500 hymns. He died at 80. Figure if he was writing for 60 years. That was 100 songs a year, which means he's pumping out a hymn every three days. I, I was just reflecting, thinking, did the guy do anything else yeah, <laughs> I'd write music. Now, you know, uh, we have still probably 10 or 12 or 15 songs. Come Thou Long Expected Jesus is one of Wesley's great hymns that we still sing. Uh, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Another one. And, you know, and on and on. But God uses people. And, and there are leaders in movements. There are preachers and there are songwriters and worship pastors and leaders that God uses and raises up for these new these new things. And just look how powerful, and I think we should stop here and just realize that the rudder in a ship is so powerful to steer the ship. A songwriter has a very, very powerful role in, in the work of the gospel, steering, building up, helping the church to grow and to be on mission and to be vertically aligned with Christ. So Wesley Watts, uh, the Gettys, and you know the Gettys have, have grabbed this. I suspect they were greatly inspired by Watts and Wesley and have run with this thing. And, you know, now have this is a conference called Sing, the Sing Conference. And they have a team of modern hymn writers, including Pat, some folks at your, you know, the Coughlins. And and uh, we're going to talk about a song that they love, uh, He Will Hold Me Fast. So why don't we transition here to, uh, we'll do like the little potpourri popcorn round here. Uh, we'll go a little quicker in the last couple of minutes that we're here. But give me a uh, a couple of your favorite modern hymns that, that you're loving to sing. We don't necessarily need to talk about why, but maybe where they came from, the, the source, and um, and what songs that you're loving. Rob, why don't you start? Sure. Um, so one right off the top of my head that I love is City of, well, City of Light has a ton, but uh, Yet Not I, But Christ, but Through Christ in Me. Um, when I first heard that one, I think I probably wept. It was just so powerful. And it was ministering to me in a very specific time, very much like, you know, key features of a hymn were in it and just powerful lyrics, great, awesome gospel lyrics. And so that one for me was um, certainly uh, today when I think of modern hymns, that's right up at the top. You get another one, by the way, you get two. Oh, um, I would say, um, yeah, I mentioned this one last week, uh, last in our last episode, but Bob Coughlin's and Tim Chester's Reformation song. Um, man, we sung that at our wedding. Sienna and I love that song. It's just, again, unpacks the solas. And uh, I, it's just a, got a great 
kind of course in it. And it's a, another great example of let's use a hymn to teach doctrine, uh, teach the doctrines of the solas. And this is what we're about as reformed people. And to be able to sing that together in, in a group of people with that big chorus, Gloria, Gloria, glory to God alone. Man, I just, I love such a good melody too. Like it's one of those ones you're like, oh, I wish I wrote that, you know, like, cause it's just frustratingly good. Um, so anyway, love that song. I, I think for me, how deep the father's love uh, is, has to be my all time. Um, you know, the beauty of uh, the, the contrast of ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. There's, there's a sense where I was there, I was mocking, and yet, you know, he, his love is deep for me. Um, it's vast beyond all measure. So there's this beautiful contrast that reminds me continually that uh, that uh, I would have I would have been in the mocking crowd had I been there. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet the deep, deep love of Jesus, the love of the Father to mm -hmm. send His Son Jesus. Um, and I think uh, that's a Townend song, by the way, Stuart. That's Townend. a Townend yeah. song. And then uh, my my good friend Stephen Vicky Cook, uh, who did the music to the, I think it's Charity Bancroft, uh, that before the throne of God above, uh, again, um, a song that just reminds me that uh, I I on a regular basis ha have the accuser of the brethren who stands before God and he he hurls accusations at me and and i have a strong and perfect plea in jesus who ever lives he pleads he intercedes for me and uh the fact that my name is graven on his hands and my name is written on his heart there's just something beautiful about that hymn that that, that preaches the gospel to my soul so mm -hmm. two of my favorites yeah amen it's for funny me, i think a lot of people would think that's an old hymn yeah you know i think people think that's an ancient hymn but it's not yeah and, and it, it's interesting when people discover these things, that was a 1997 song, I think. And, you know, someone maybe in the last couple of years just discovered that, depending on what your what your source is. Uh, a couple of songs that I love, uh, The Lord is My Salvation, uh, a recent, fairly recent Getty song. The grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from the raging sea, and I'm safe in solid ground. The Lord is my salvation. And what some of these, these modern hymns are doing... Sometimes you can sing a lot of truth, but then you wanted to go boom, and then this song gives the boom. Glory yeah. be to God the Father. Yeah, it's a great chorus. You know, glory be to God the Spirit. Uh, the Lord is my salvation. It just gives you a sense of you know, and being anthemic about this mm. thing and just singing it out. I love that Sovereign Grace song that I, I particularly love is uh, Oh Lord my Rock and my Redeemer. Just a, a beautifully written song. Uh, it's just a strong expression of faith in the storms, in the challenges, that God is a rescuer and redeemer. And um, I, I think I love the song, too. I'll, I'll get one, Marcus, because I got to ask the question, and I'm speaking right now. <laughs> he Will Hold Me Fast, uh, a Matt Merker rewrite of uh, the ancient, I think ancient from the 1890s. Uh, I'm not sure the lady's name. Ada Habersher, I think. or Habershon, yeah. Did I get that right? Yep, Habershon, yeah. Abershan. He will hold me fast. Uh, just a, a great, a great uh, affirmation of, of God's keeping power in our lives. And for, for those of you who are watching today, if if you're wondering where where are the wells of these songs, well, let me tell you that 
um, Sovereign Grace is one uh, church movement, uh, songwriting movement that is producing a lot of these things. Number two would be the Gettys, Keith and Christian Getty. Now this team of writers that they have um, gathered around them. Rob mentioned City Light. They're out of Australia or New Zealand? Australia. Okay. So they've got a bunch of great songs. Ancient of Days, Only a Holy God, The Goodness of Jesus, Yet Not I, But Christ uh, Through Me. Those are four that, that I've noted are particularly strong. And um, are there other are there other sources or wells of modern hymns that that you would point people to? I, th I think uh, Matt Boswell and Matt Papa, mm -hmm. uh, these guys have written a lot of good songs. His mercy is more, um, yeah. yeah loving kindness. Guys. They just wrote loving kindness. It's a new one. It's a great song. Yeah. I think he also wrote. Um, Come behold the wondrous mystery. That's that's an amazing song, a great song. They've also written uh, a lament, "Lord from Sorrows Deep." I call it's a great song. Um, and we've been talking about where music is going, and you're just thankful that it's not a record company that's driving this. It's the spirit of God. Hmm. So 20 years ago or prior, God stirs up some people to start writing some songs. Sovereign Grace was part of that. I think. I think even going back. Graham Kendrick was part of that song that maybe old timers would remember. Rob, this is not about you. This is about me and Pat, but the song Knowing You, Jesus. It's a great song. There is no greater thing. You're my rock. You're my, You're the, my best. All. You're yeah. the best. <laughs> You're my joy, my righteousness. That's it. And I love you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I know that one. My I, kids used to say, Why did he say you're the best? Yeah. <laughs> You're rad, God. <laughs> it rhymes with righteousness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, thankful what the Lord's doing. And as you uh, check the CCLI top 100, uh, we noted that in the top 100, there are at least 10 songs that, that really fit into the category that we've been talking about. Living Hope, King of Kings, 10,000 Reasons. Those would be more on the slightly mm -hmm. worship chorus side of modern hymns, but I think they still fit. You've got 10,000 Reasons, Cornerstone, How Deep, The Father's Love, Before the Throne of God, He Will Hold Me Fast, in Christ Alone. They're all there. So what that means is that is that more churches are singing these. And uh, kudos to you leaders who are including these things in your songs. Mm. Well, in the last couple of minutes, we always like to close up with a bit of a wrap and a final word. So, uh, uh, Rob, I'm going to turn it over to you, Pat, and then you will follow and then uh, we'll, we'll finish up. Yeah, final word is, you know, I want to speak to you young folks out there. You know, hymns aren't just for the older folks. Um Hymns are for all of us. I fell into that as a young person. I just wanted to do all the Hill songs and I just wanted to be Hillsong United. And, but we need to understand the purpose behind hymns. If you want your kids, a lot of you worship leaders, you have young kids, you want your kids to grow up with good theology or you worship pastors. If you want your congregations to have good theology, hymns are an essential part of that. So don't just assume that you're throwing in a hymn every week to please the old folks. Um, this is for everyone, and this is this is part of loving your church, creating. We talked about this last week, having a healthy diet. So just let's let's young people let's grow a love for these hymns uh, because they're about teaching doctrine. That's important. It's about catechizing our people. So uh, hymns aren't just for old folks. And my final word comes from A. W. Tozer. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Mm -hmm. um, 
Were we able to extract from any man a complete answer to the question, what comes into your mind when you think about God? We might predict with certainty the spiritual future of that man. Were we able to know exactly what our most influential religious leaders think of God today? We might be able with some precision to foretell where the church will stand tomorrow. Hmm. Um, and I would just say uh, to all listening, uh, long for uh, the, the, the desire to study God, be a theologian in your own right, and, um, and, 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 and long to have those songs that, that are objective truth that pass the, the, the test of time, uh, that, that do something in your soul. And yes, yes, we want to sing other courses. Yes, we want to do all those things, but, but let's, let's love God and let's, let's have a right, uh, accurate view of God. Mm. And so that, that when we gather, we're, we're helping our churches have a, a healthy diet mm. of who God is and what God has done for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would commend, uh, I'm just looking if it's on my shelf. It is somewhere right here. Uh, it's a little, little prayer book, the hymnary from probably printed up, uh, many, many years ago. I would say as we close that, um, you know, in your own personal spiritual diet and in your own feeding of your congregation, uh, have anchors that will be with you through, through life, uh, through words of assurance, words of exaltation, words that are going to take you through to the end and, and take old hymns and pray them and take old prayers like the Valley of Vision and pray them and let God shape you through that. And then use those kind of prayers and songs to lead and bless and shape the congregations that God puts before you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Use modern hymns, use old ancient hymns, use new great worship choruses for the glory of God and the good of his people. We will see you next time. Thanks, guys.